Hey everyone, this is Pete Perusik, and I want to welcome you to this edition of the Weathered Athlete Podcast, a place for us to honor those athletes that refuse to go quietly into the night. As a weathering triathlete and a physical therapist, I will spend my time talking with those athletes that continue to make the necessary repairs and continue to move forward. They may have a few cracks in their foundation or a squeaky step, and their patinas may continue to fade, but they are no less glorious than years prior. In fact, I feel they have more heart and resolve as they have weathered and can provide the pathway and set the standard that we should all live by. My goal is to determine what sets these individuals apart from the rest of society. Don't forget to hit subscribe, leave a comment, and share with your friends. Today I'm honored to be joined by Jack Welber from mile number 30. I had the pleasure of meeting Jack at the Boulder Reservoir. I was there on the Tuesday prior to 70.3 Boulder for a practice open water swim. I was trying to calm my nerves as that was my first swim at elevation, so I noticed Jack come in and set up next to me. At first glance, I figured Jack to be in his 70s. We exchanged a few words, but at that moment, my only focus was on getting up the courage to actually get into the water to complete the 750-meter swim practice course. It was only after coming out of the water and sitting for a while, catching my breath, and allowing the oxygen to return to my brain, that I had heard Jack say that he was preparing for age group sprint nationals in Milwaukee. At that point, my ears perked up, and the PT and me and the podcast host came alive. Jack was competing in the 80 to 84 year old age group. Come to find out, he will turn 84 this December. As we kept talking, I was able to find out that he was co author of a book with Don Ardell called Not Dead Yet. As we kept talking, I was able to find out he was co-author of a book with Don Ardell called Not Dead Yet. World Triathlon Champion 75 Plus offer tips for a thriving and flourishing in later life, and that he was in the process of moving from Boulder to Charlotte, North Carolina. What a connection. So on our walk to the parking lot, we set up plans to conduct this episode after we both completed our events. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jack as much as I did. Hey Jack, how you doing today? I'm doing fine. How are you? Good. It's great to see you again. It was uh, nice meeting you in Boulder. Always, oh, uh, it was a pleasure. Yeah, that that day. It's funny. That thing. I. You're part of what I love about triathlon is here. I show up at the Boulder Reservoir to do this uh, open water swim practice, first swim at elevation, and I'm a little bit nervous about things and. It's amazing how everybody was there, just so friendly and able to just, you know, it just calm my mind a whole lot. And then meeting you and talking to you after, um, you had such a great story. I'm so happy to be able to talk to you. Oh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. I mean, you know, it's, uh, what, what is there not to be excited about? <laughs> so the, the cool thing for those that don't know is I'm, I met Jack, like I said, as we were doing the open water swim and, and I'm thinking he's going to do the Boulder 70.3 and he said he was getting ready to go to nationals. So, um, what event did you do at nationals and how would that go? Uh, I did the sprint and, uh, there were 11 competitors and, uh, I came in number six. I was the oldest one competing. Uh, most of the guys that, uh, all the guys that beat me were 80 and 81. And, uh, and I felt pretty good about it. You know, it's it's uh, it's interesting. As you get older, uh, and uh, you know, as you climb into your eighties, you have to make adjustments. Not only do you have to make adjustments equipment-wise, training-wise, but probably most important of all, 
mentally. You've got to be able to, you can't get discouraged. You've got to be realistic. You've got, at the same time, you have to be positive. You've got to be analytical, objective. And so it took me a while to realize that when I was 80, in a course that was very similar to the course in Milwaukee, they're not easy to compare uh, venues. Yeah. Uh, but but this one was, uh, I probably would have come in second. Okay. And those four years made a huge difference. Yeah. As you get older, the differences become more pronounced. And it's happening to athletes in the early 70s, in their mid-70s, the mid-60s, early 60s. And I get to talk to a lot of people that are friends of mine. It's the same story. You're, you're talking about essentially the same thing. You've got to adjust to changing circumstances. Look, it's the same thing in life, right? Yeah. You know, you know people misplace their keys and they say, holy shit. I, you know, I must be getting dementia. No, your, your bandwidth isn't as broad and you've got to just uh, roll with the punches and maybe write things down, you know. And, and in a sense, that was what our book was about. Yeah. It was making adjustments, making adjustments with a positive attitude. And, uh, and, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm jumping the gun a little bit, yeah. but really, essentially, that's what our book was about. Yeah, that's, you know, you know. Yeah, that's cool. We're going to get to that in a second. So how old are you? Uh, I am 83 and seven months. Okay. Okay. So I can, I will tell you that, um, I posted that picture that we took a picture and I wanted to say, okay, how old do you think he is? And not one person said you're over 75. So. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. And, and I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's wonderful. I just wish I was a little faster. Yeah, that's okay. So how long have you been doing triathlon? Well, I started seriously uh, in 2004, 2005. Uh, I got myself a coach. I li- we lived in Palm Harbor, Florida at the time. And uh, this coach went on to become a very successful coach, Celia Dubay, and in Tarpon Springs. And she was very, really excellent to me and excellent for me. We are still very good friends. And you mentioned this in, in our little uh, pre-conversation, how, 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 how many friends you make doing the sport. And when I went to Milwaukee, there was an, uh, a meal that we didn't take that we're sitting with somebody that we either knew or did triathlons. I mean, it was really, it's really great. We had dinners planned with really wonderful people. You may, you get to know them, you have conversations, and then the friendships go on. Yeah. They go to the next race, they go to Facebook, you know, it's just, a, it's a beautiful thing. And my wife is with me, you know, she shares in all this, you know, it's uh, triathlon is more than a sport, it's a lifestyle for us age groupers. And I think you probably experienced that yourself. I, I yeah, I, I don't go there expecting to get on the podium. It's it's amazing. Some of the probably the 
people that I still talk to, or we were walking and some part of our of our uh, the marathon or the half marathon portion of the half or full Ironman, and you just learn their story of why they're doing it, and I have a couple Facebook friends just that way, and we only talk during the walk. Um, but it's funny how we still kind of keep up with each other, what events they're doing, what events I'm doing. Um, so we don't talk to them all the time, but still it's pretty cool to have that exposure. I got people scattered all over the United States, um, that I've met. So that's pretty neat. Yeah. And one of the things you have to look forward to Pete is as you get older, uh, you know, as you get into you climb into your seventies and then eighties, my God, what are, people, <laughs> what are people doing out here in their eighties? There's a natural interest. Not because, you know, you're some great athlete or not because you're lightning fast or not because of anything but the fact that you're older and you're doing this. Yeah. Now, and, and so you exploit that, you know, as a sort of a gregarious guy, you know, people want to get to know you, want to get to know your story. It's great. It's terrific. It's one of the reasons why you should keep on doing this, you know, because it's... Uh, it's just a wonderful, uh, stimulating experience out there, you know? Yeah, the way I look at it is I'm going to just try to outlast everybody. But the problem is, even as you age, there's some fast people, and we can talk about a few of them. And the one, uh, Kenneth, uh, was it, Fleischhacker um, in the 85 to 89 rates. There's some fast people out there, so that there's no guarantee if you stick around, you're still going to make it to the podium. Yeah, I know Ken. <laughs> uh, Ken was in our book, by the way. Yeah. Uh, we, Ken was a world champion. He was in the book, and he's uh, he's got some pretty interesting stories about his background in running and in triathlon. Yeah, he's uh, he, he had amazing performance. You know? Yeah, incredible. So, were you always an athlete? I'm sorry. Were you always an athlete? Like growing up, did you do play sports? Uh, in uh, as a kid, as a young kid, <clears throat> I was always doing something playing softball, uh, touch football, you know, all kinds of stuff. And then in middle school, I played basketball. And in high school, I played football and basketball. Uh, college, I started to run a little bit. Oh, I did track in high school as well, some track. I ran the mile. I, 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 you know, in 1954, a 530 was not blazing fast. But it was okay. Yeah, it was enough for the coach to say, "Go run and get his points." You know, <laughs> finish and uh, and and then uh, when I got out of the service, I started to run. Uh, I started to run, and I I've never stopped. Okay. And then I picked up some swimming. I got myself a road bike, you know. And then eventually, when uh, triathlons got my attention. I said, hey, this looks like a really interesting thing. I can swim, I can bike, I can run. And so that, that, that's how I sort of got into it. And it was, it was interesting because I was pretty mediocre when I started. Uh, and then when I got myself a coach and I started to train, I began to realize that, hey, I wasn't going to get on the podium mm -hmm. consistently, uh, you know, all the time. I wasn't going to win. But I could squeeze out of, you know, my talent that I did have, I could squeeze out some, 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 you know, reasonable competitiveness. And I did, you know, uh, I, in Burlington, Vermont in 2013, out of like 25 guys, I came in like 
sixth or seventh. I was very happy. I said, holy mackerel. <laughs> you know, I ran a sub 10 minute mile. And then I went to London and uh, I came in eighth out of 25 at a world competition. And so I continued to train. I took it more seriously. And, uh, you know, and, and eventually I got on the podium more frequently. And uh, so, yeah, it's a, it sort of developed. And, 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 and here's the interesting thing. And, and this is, this is something that I think happens to all athletes as they age. A lot of things can go wrong. Injuries can occur. Injuries occur are more likely to occur and they're more likely to last longer, you know, and they're more likely not to ever really go away. You know, there was just sort of a lingering thing that you've got to tweak and manage. And so there's a lot of incentives to say, okay, enough is enough. But don't give in to that. Yeah. Don't give in to that because there's always tomorrow and tomorrow your body is very resilient, especially if you train and you chances are you'll feel a little differently tomorrow than you are today. Some days I get up and I say, holy shit, I, I can hardly make it to the bathroom, you know. And, but, but then the next day I can, and the next day I go and I take a run and I feel terrific. So don't give up prematurely. It's, it's one of the lessons in our book, you know. Yeah. yeah don't uh, uh, stick with it. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the advantage of triathlon, I think, over just say someone who's just trying to run all the time is that, you know, you have that ability to, to swim and decrease any, you know, stress on your body or, you know, you can bite. So there's definitely advantages, I think, um, as far as that multi-sport, um, just to give yourself a break. And you're still getting a great cardio workout um, the whole time. And just that change of, I think, dynamics and the change in the mechanics um, is helpful. Yeah. And, and I think the glue that might hold all of this together is uh, weight training. Yeah, and especially as you get older, balance, weight and balance training uh, is is really very important. And I do that twice, uh, twice a week. <clears throat> I've got I've got a regime that includes uh, Tuesday and Thursday weights. Okay, uh, with, with with a trainer, and I have, do massages once a week, and, and those are very very important because it stays off lingering, uh, lingering problems that are going to get you in trouble. And in, in, in the individual that does the personal training is also someone, her name is Colleen DeRook, and she, uh, I think she won her age group in that race that you did in the 55 to 59 age group. Oh, really? In Boulder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she did an amazing half, uh, half marathon time. I don't remember what it was, but it probably equates to like a two- 240 or something like that in a marathon. Anyway, she she does triathlons, of course. Yeah. And uh, and so I'm, I'm very lucky to have uh, to have her. And during COVID, uh, we each met with our laptops. Okay. You okay. know, so, so we, we, we never missed a beat in terms, okay. of, in terms of training. Yeah. yeah, strength training I think is so important. And, you know, as a PT, I don't do it as much as I should. Um, but it, it, that foundation is, is huge. Um, and you, you can really stave off a lot of those injuries. Um, so I'm glad to hear you're doing that. So are you doing, what type of balance stuff are you doing too? 
Well, uh, the, the balance stuff is, is uh, uh, you stand on one leg and you've got a weight and you rotate it around your body, rotate it around your head. Uh, uh, there's just a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of combination of balance and weights. Mm-hmm. You know? So, I mean, we, uh, I think the beauty of what we do is there's never a single, we, we, we never focus on a single thing. It's always a combination of balance and weights uh, or different kinds of weights, stretching and weights, a lot, a lot of good stuff. That's awesome. So if I do my math correctly, you started triathlon what, in your 60s then, somewhere in that time? Uh, mid-60s, yeah. Mid-60s. <laughs> okay. Wow, that's awesome. So, again, people always say that, you know, it's amazing how many people come to the sport later on. I think most probably come in their 40s and 50s. Um, right. But to come in in the in your 60s is incredible. I think that's that's such a great thing, and I love to see every race has somebody in their 70s um, in it. I don't think I've been to a race where there's not somebody in their 70s, probably even upper upper 70s. Yeah, I think it might be difficult if you've been sedentary all your life, mm-hmm. and then you try to get into this. Uh, but if you've been an athlete, if you've been active, it's much easier to get in, in your uh, 60s and 70s. And that was the case with me. What's the longest distance you've done? As a triathlete? Yeah. Uh, uh, Olympic. Okay. Uh, I only only did a couple early on and I decided just, I think I got injured after training, you know, trying to seriously train. uh, And so I just stuck to uh, sprints. Sprints are, boy, they're just more than adequate. Yeah, there's, there's no, there's no ego <laughs> involved in. Oh, I just do sprints. It's, you know, there's, there's no ego involved in the fact that I, I do that. I, I don't need to do Olympic distance or half triathlon. Yeah, you know, half Ironman. Yeah, it's great, and uh, you know, sprints are awesome, and and you know, as you know, they're fast. That's the thing about sprints is that. You know, people are, are, are quick. You know, that's that's what's so incredible. So how many a year do you think you do? How many, say, say how many sprints do you think you do a year? Because you have to qualify for nationals, correct? How does that, how's that work? Well, I think this year you didn't have to qualify. Okay. I don't know why they changed that rule. But uh, I, I think you have to do like two or three uh, sanctioned triathlons to qualify. Uh, but I've probably done about 120, 130 since I started this. Now, in addition to that, I've done 10Ks. I did, uh, I've done the Boulder, Boulder, probably 12 or 13 years okay. in a row. And uh, in 2019, it was my goal. To, they have top 20 finishers, top 20 all-time finishers. And I finally got into the, that category as number 11. So, nice. So number eleven out of all the eighty-one-year-old guys that ever did that race. Wow, that's yeah. incredible. How long is that? Because uh, I've heard of the Boulder Boulder. How long it's is it? It's a six-point-two. Six-point. Okay. It's a ten-k. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's very—it's—it's it's a pretty challenging course because it's at elevation and it's about uh, three to four hundred, three fifty 
or maybe 400 feet of elevation. So it's, you know, it's pretty challenging. And, 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 and one of the things that I do is uh, when I train, I walk and I run. And I, and I, about half of that race, I walked fast at about a 16, 16 mile pace. And, and then I ran at about a 10, 10 or a 10, 20. Okay. You know, to, to get to, uh, you know, to get to that finish. Okay. You know? Do you do that with all your, um, like for the triathlon too, you doing the same thing? You doing a run walk? Well, no, I, I, I usually run in the, okay. uh, in, in the, in the, tw- in the sprint. Okay. Cup. Yeah. Yeah. I was worried. Um, so the half Ironman, you know, Boulder, I was worried about elevation. Like we, my wife and I, we struggled that, that whole week, you know, we, first of all, we went up to SD, so which is 12,000 feet. And, you know, I was a, a dizzy just getting from the car to just look at the overlook and then coming back. And, you know, it took me probably the really Thursday in, um, in Boulder, to really feel like I was starting to get acclimated um, and actually had a decent run on Thursday um, and a great bike ride on Friday. So then during the event, I was kind of a little bit worried. So when I got to the run, I went in with a game plan of running for two minutes and walking for one. And I stuck consistently to it. And I was probably running for me at eight, probably somewhere an eight, eight and a half minute mile. Uh, sometimes I got down in the seven and then I walked one mile and I was able to do that pretty much for the whole half. And yeah, I never yeah. felt, I never felt like it was too much. So I was very thankful. I didn't try to just run that straight out. Um, there's advantages doing that. Yeah. How, how fast would you walk? Um, it was pretty fast. I was probably in the, I don't know, 12 minute um, range. I tried the, my goal was to average a 10 minute mile. Um, yeah, that's a pretty fast walk. It was. So my goal was, I wanted to do the, um, the half in two ten, And so that would have been a 10 minute mile. And I ever, I did it in two Oh nine fifty eight. So it was under two, under two ten. So, wow, that's great. (laughs) And that was after doing a 57 minute swim there. So I basically was exhausted on the swim, um, because that, that did not go well. So I just kind of went in and made sure that the run was was good. And I tell you, the run walk, I've done that before for other events. Um, I don't do it for every event, but I think there's huge advantages um, as far as just mechanic-wise, changing the load, and then giving you that short little duration to kind of catch your breath. Amazing how much faster you can go. Right, yeah, exactly. And plus, I can look at anybody, you can run for a minute or two, so... <laughs> So tell me about this book. What's the title of the book? The title of the book is Not Dead Yet. World Triathlon Champions Over 75 Offer Tips for Thriving and Flourishing in Later Life. Uh, originally, I was fascinated. I'm anticipating your question about how to get started. Yeah. <laughs> uh, originally, uh, I was fascinated by all the other older guys that showed up at uh, local competitions, not too many, uh, nationals and world triathlon championships. And, and I, always, I always thought, geez, I'd like to find out what our similarities are, why we're doing this. Am I so unusual? What, what, what's going on over there? And I got to know some of these guys, but there was no 
there was no opportunity formally to, you know, to talk to them about stuff like this. So I, I came up with the idea, why not write an essay? Why not get in contact with these men and women and, and uh, ask them if they want to participate, give me their ideas and, and write an essay and maybe uh, uh, submit it to US, uh, US Triathlon and other publications. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is a pretty big undertaking. And I happen to have known Don Ardell, who is a great guy, terrific athlete, just, you know, one of the best, one of the best age groupers, you know, starting off in his 40s. And, uh, uh, and so I said, hey, Don, I've got this idea. And he said, well, I'm really busy with a couple of other things. I'll get back to you. And about a month later, he called me, he said, let's do it. <laughs> and he said, not only let's do it, but let's write a book. Okay. <laughs> so it was Don's idea to write the book. And Don brings a very positive perspective through his uh, uh, devotion to something called real wellness. Real meaning uh, reason uh, for the R, exuberance, athleticism, and liberty. So in other words, it's a combination. And I, and I really have embraced the concept myself you know, being involved with him for so many years in on this project. So it's, 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 a, it's a great concept integrating most facets of life, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and, and so we recruited with the help of uh, USAT, we recruited uh, probably about 25 people and uh, we got 16 who said, we'll devote the time, we'll devote the effort. Uh, men and women. Okay. Uh, and uh, we interviewed them. We asked them to write their stories. We talked to them on the phone. He took a few. I took a few. And we gathered ideas. And we gathered tips. We gathered things that they do. And we put together this book. And, uh, and, and so that's how it all got started. It took us about a year. It took us about a year. And... Uh, we tried to get a publisher, and we actually came very close to getting the book published. But the publisher wanted us to actually cha- redo it to uh, to make the book more about the stories of those people. Okay. Who, you know, sort of what you're doing with me. Yeah. The publisher urged us to do with all these. 16 other people. And it would have been a great story, except we were like 90% done. Mm-hmm. We had made up our mind to do this and we weren't going to go back and, and re-engineer it. And so we, uh, they declined us, we declined them. Okay. And we, and we self-published. Okay. And then, and, and then we did an ebook and uh, we did a, uh, an audio book. Uh, so we've got three books of paperback and an audio and an ebook. And, and uh, Don did much of the writing. I, I would write an idea, give it to him, and he'd edit it and add his own two cents. And he's got a lot of two cents. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, we've, had, we've had some amazing, some amazing uh, uh, feedback. You know, we, we had one woman uh, in her late 70s 
who reads four or five tips, makes notes, and then like for a week or so, tries to incorporate those tips into her life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, it's in, 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 in sometimes not easy, but our first tip is discipline. And when you think about what it takes to be successful in anything, the bedrock principle is discipline. And so she practiced, what can I do? What can I bring to my life that requires discipline and more discipline? And, and so that's just one, one little story about how somebody uses the book. Uh, I was just getting started in meditation. I, I use an app by Sam Harris, uh, and, uh, and I've been doing that, and I continue to do it, and I'll do it for the rest of my life. Yeah. I'm dedicated to it. And, uh, and so that, that's included in meditation. There's all kinds of things. Like the other day I was walking from the pool to the locker room at Flatirons uh, Colorado Athletic Club Flatirons. And I had all my gear from a swim and I caught myself with a little bit of a slump in my posture and walking slow. Now, we cover those two tips in the book. Mm -hmm. And I mean, straighten up, Jack. <laughs> and, and you don't have all day, man. <laughs> Pick up your pace. <laughs> act, act as if you want to get where you're going. Yeah. And, and so there's a deep message in many of the things we, we write about, like interacting with young people, just uh, in, in the, the new ideas and, uh, and being, uh, sharing your ideas with others, just on and on and on. So it's, it's, it's well thought out. Uh, it's well researched and, uh, we're, we're very pleased. And the overriding message is you, your, 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 uh, uh, your companion as you grow older is your positive attitude. Yeah. No, I don't ever lose your positivity. I mean, I, 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 uh, I have vertigo, uh, which is uh, Meniere's disease. It's a very mild case, but every now and then, maybe once every six months, I get horribly nauseous and dizzy. It lasts for about four or five hours, but it's completely debilitating. Everything has to stop. And I was lying in bed and my wife gave me a little bell that she sometimes takes to races, you know, <laughs> and, and if I needed her. So here I am in the throes of ugliness <laughs> and I ring the bell <laughs> and she comes in, what, what, what's the matter? What's the matter? And I said, well, you know, in a sense, it doesn't get any better than this because <laughs> I could be dead. Yeah. You know, so it's a perspective that every moment, uh, every moment is the moment, you know, and you have to you have to enjoy that moment, you know. You have to take the most the most out of that moment, you know. Live in live in the present. And here's another thing: when I run, uh, I 
now listen to my breath. And I listen to my feet hitting the ground. And it, it roots me in the, in, in the activity of running. And it's almost like it's no longer Jack running. It's running. Yeah. Right? There's, there's no identity Jack. There's just running. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I love that. Um, first of all, I love the title of the book. I thought when you told me that, you know, that it did make me make me chuckle a little bit. Um, but then also the like I, I told you earlier is that um, unfortunately I don't read a whole lot. So the first thing I did before I was in the parking lot, I went and looked at Audible and saw that they had your book and bought it before I even got out of the parking lot. Um, and so I'm pretty much on the last chapter. I pretty much listened to almost all of it, uh, during the day as I've been driving around and, and I just, I love the simplicity of it. Um, just the, the tips and the way it's laid out there again, you know, expectation is people aren't going to incorporate all 56 tips, but again, if they can incorporate five, 10, 15, um, I think there's definitely huge advantages of that attitude and being, in healthcare, I see patients all the way up into their mid to late 90s. I had some 100-year-old uh, patients. And I think some of those in their 80s and 90s have had better attitudes than some of probably the 50 and 60-year-olds I've seen. Um, and I think that's why they've gotten to where they are because their attitudes are just incredible. Everything is a blessing. Right. Every day is a blessing. Right. <clears throat> By the way, that title... Uh Either the title was created by Don or his wife. I'm not sure. Maybe Don created the title and then his wife added to it. But but it, it's uh, he gets you know I, I think that's his. <laughs> um, so out of those, when you were kind of gathering all these things, like you know you weren't doing meditation before, but that came out of the book or with Don, right? How did that come about? How did the I mean how Don and I. No, so when you got all this information from all these people, um, I know you weren't doing all those things before. Have you incorporated some of those things into your daily life now? Oh, oh, okay. Uh, <clears throat> oh, let me, let me, yeah, that, that's a great question. Uh, <clears throat> I, you know, when I, I, I'm not sure that I got this from the book, but I got this from Don. And it's a very interesting story. He and I met for the first time on, on a bridge going over the Mississippi River in St. Paul, Minnesota. And I had an aero helmet. I had aero bars on my bike, I had a tri-bike. Uh, paid a lot of money for it. And uh, I knew of him, and I knew he'd probably win the duathlon. This was a U.S. national duathlon. And I was with Celia Dubay, who was my trainer at the time. And she knew Don and she introduced us. And by the way, we traded poems. I recited a poem. He recited a poem. It's the craziest, craziest thing. I don't remember the poem he recited, but I did a Dorothy Parker poem. But anyway, he, uh, I, so I looked at this guy and I said, shit, man. He just rented a freaking bike. Well, it looks like a piece of crap. And his helmet looks like he needs to go out and get a new one. 
and he, he did. I think he averaged like for a seventy-four-year-old at the time. I think he averaged like twenty-one miles an hour. Like oh, I got a here. I got all this souped-up equipment. Oh, boy, what a lesson that was! You know, yeah, there's no there's no substitute for just talent, speed. You know, you can take a piece of you know junk, <laughs> you could make it into a killer bike. You know. Uh, some, 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 I'll, I'll tell you what I did, uh, something we picked up, and we actually talked it down and I talked about this. Every single one of those 16 people, and by the way, one of them passed away in a bike accident. Uh, a woman, she's a journalist, and she was quite uh, famous. She, was, she worked for PBS, uh, you know, uh, and uh, she, she, was in, she lived in Chicago and she passed away at, and an unfortunate bike accident, uh, training, okay. But what we discovered, because we asked these people and we got their background, is that all, first of all, all of them, all 16 of them, and we, you could say all 18 of us, graduated from college. Uh, there, were, there are three physicians, uh, they're probably two or three or four PhDs, Don's a PhD. Uh, there are uh, a number of entrepreneurs. I started my own business after I had a career at Johnson & Johnson, uh, a very successful career recruiting oncologists for the pharmaceutical industry. Great job, great career, lots of fun. Yeah. Uh, one, of, one of our guys is a PhD physicist who even at 81, he has his own company that uh, is developing water filtration uh, specifically for uh, mining oil, you know, and uh, in, in trying to filtrate the uh, this muddy oil that's used, muddy water that's used to uh, bring the oil out of the ground. Anyway, so uh, uh, CEO of a medical device company. So we, we uh, administrator of a hospital, someone. So all of these people are accomplished. Yeah. Now, that, that's good news and it's bad news. The good news is that uh, the skills that you acquire through your early life and take with you into your adult life can be applied to athleticism. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's just, it's, it's no uh, miracle. It's no random act that all these people are accomplished. Yeah. You know, you don't get there. You don't, you, you don't get to that level, uh, you know, just sort of like falling off a pickle truck. Yeah. You know? Well, I see that I think with aging anyways, if we take even triathlon out of it, I think a lot of people as they get older, um, the ones that are successful, they're lifelong learners too. So again, depending on what they did growing up, they're continuing to challenge themselves somehow, maybe not athletically, but they're challenging themselves cognitively on a day-to-day -day basis and right. huge advantages of, of just – Again, that lifelong learner is really what it is, and and, and appreciate well, it too. Right, I like that term, uh, long learners. Yeah. In fact, in fact, uh, <clears throat> I think it's really 
uh, it, it's, I, I remind my wife of this all the time, you know, don't, don't get locked into, gee, I'm 75, I should act 75. Yeah. You know, that is uh, one of the most lethal thoughts you can possibly have. Now, if you act that way because you want to act that way and you're compelled to act that way for whatever reason, fine. But don't don't con yourself into into that mode, you know, and, and lean forward towards positivity. So know. that leads me to my next question. So what resistance? Um, are there people that have given you some resistance on, you know, and they look at you and see that you're, you know, 83 and you're out there doing all this stuff. Anybody say, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be on the couch or sitting on the porch. And um, have you had any people say anything to you or have you heard of people giving you resistance? Yeah, that's a that's really a good question, Pete, because the people that are doing triathlon never think that. Mm-hmm. I've never run across anybody. The people... Uh, people, you know, that I that I meet on the course say, Jesus, I wish my grandfather was doing that. I wish my father was doing that. I wish my husband was doing that. I wish my wife was doing that. You know, it's more inspirational than anything else. The people that seem to express that sentiment or lean in that direction are those people that are not athletes or uh they're on the sidelines someplace sitting on the couch who's saying what's he doing that for why you know what's he trying to prove you know blah 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 the athletes the people that are doing that that it it would never occur to them that hey why are you out there they always want to be that in 20 years you know that's yep so yeah, you do find uh, you, you you do find uh, uh, people uh, exercising their judgments, which are totally inappropriate. But it's it's no matter. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it's not. And I'll be honest. Um, I want to be you in thirty uh, thirty one years. So I'll be fifty two in September. So I got some years to uh, to to continue to do this. But that's what I want to be doing. What you're doing at at that age. So that's well, what I want every tip you can give me. <laughs> well, let me tell you, the payoff, the payoff is the acquisition of uh, a lifestyle that is just incredibly uh, rich in what it offers. Uh, it's not easy. And if it were easy, it wouldn't be rich. Right. Uh, and uh, uh, I remember, uh, I, I remember meeting I was probably in my early 70s, and I think I, I, I was someplace in the Midwest doing a national duathlon, and I went up and I came to breakfast, and there was this very old guy. He's probably my age. <laughs> he was sitting there eating breakfast alone, and I, I sat down with him. I said, do you mind if I join you, I talk to you? And, uh, <clears throat> and here's what he told me. He said, at my age, there are two challenges. One is getting to the start line and the other one is getting to the finish line. You know, and if you think about triathlon in the, the three events, 
and there's the transition, and there's the travel, and there's the preparation, and there's the training, and there's the diet, and there's the diet for the race, and there's the stuff you want to bring along when you're racing, and there's all the stuff you have to do to get the wetsuit off fast, you know. It's just a myriad of things you have to do and you want to do to, to make yourself competitive. There's a lot going on in the navigation. I, I, I'm not telling you that because you just did a race that requires a lot of navigation. But for an old guy, that navigation in itself becomes a challenge in a brain-stimulating mm-hmm. activity of the highest order and one of the payoffs for that is there are a lot of activities you do in your life that are not athletic but they require a lot of integration a lot of navigation a lot of coordination and you just apply all the stuff that you do in triathlon to that it's quite it's it's, uh, it's quite good it's quite beneficial well, I think it, yeah, I think it's huge. You know, you think about just again. I know what I needed to to prepare to get out to Boulder. You went to nationals, so again, making lists, making sure you're taking everything you need. It, it's not an easy task where you just throw a couple things inside a suitcase and you leave. There's a lot of planning that needs to go into it. So I think again, that cognitive again, it's a cognitive task, um, which again is fantastic. Right. In the older you get. <clears throat> the more facets there are, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, just because I have hearing aids, so I mean, and you, you know, you got bet you don't want to run out of batteries. Yeah, you know, it just it's on and on and on and on. Yeah. So, have you had to overcome any injuries since you started doing this? Oh, none. I, I, I mean, I've been injured. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> like major uh, injuries, like anything. Well, well, I'll give you I'll give you a good example. We talked before about adjusting, about growing older and making peace with uh, your, the aging process. And not just making peace in a passive way, but making peace in a positive, uh, proactive way. So my neck has been getting uh, more and more uh, painful and uh, I gave up arrow. So I gave up arrow bars about four or five years ago. Uh, you know, I just yeah. Couldn't, yeah. couldn't keep going. Uh, and then uh, more incorporating more neck muscle strength. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and uh, so building neck muscles, stretching my neck. So that there was that component. So giving up the arrow bars, addressing uh strength through training strength of the neck and stretching massage but then recently i uh i did a local race and i really got my my neck really started to hurt bad so i went i went to the bike store and i had i had this guy that does uh uh bike fitting Okay. Actually, raise my handlebars by two centimeters, and it makes all the difference in the world. Because now I just have I can raise my eyes to see the horizon. I don't have to lift my neck, and it just saves you know 
on a training bike, 20 miles, or on a competitive sprint, 12 and a half miles, I, I can keep my neck in a position. I don't get off my bike and I'm not in terrible pain. So that's just one specific example of making peace, positive peace, aggressive peace, mm-hmm. all the body changes that are occurring, you know, and for everybody, it's going to be different. Yeah. I mean, running, I walk and run now in my training just because I want to give, I don't want to stress my my hamstrings yeah. or my calves or my Achilles or whatever, or my lower back. Mm-hmm. So there's just, there's, there's a lot of different stuff. And and I was told by, uh, uh, by Simon Lessing, who happens to be a, uh, one of the great world champion triathletes, he said, Jack, nobody knows your body better than you. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's a lesson, boy, that I, I take with me every place. Nobody, that little, that little signal coming from my Achilles, my right Achilles, that little signal, nobody else can tell me what that means. I don't even know what it means until I go uh, another half mile, but I'm sure listening, Yeah, you know? So, so it, you know, you bring a lot of stuff with you that maybe you don't have to worry about, but an aging athlete does. But let me tell you something: it's all good. Yeah. I'm not complaining. It's all good because there's a payoff, you know. Oh, absolutely! And that was you kind of beat me to the. You answered the question about bike fitting because I think that's something that's so important. I think for anybody, but then again, as we all age, is you know just because you had the bike fit last year doesn't mean it's necessarily the same thing for you this year. Cause we change our bodies change. My body's change. And I think having that bike fitting amazing by just elevating those bars, how much that does get you up better. And I think that is such a great lesson for people that you can't oh, fight yeah. for this. Listen, I, I've, I've gone to, I've gone to a bike fitter in Boulder and said, Hey, listen, I'm, I've got some knee pain. And after about three or four miles on the bike, the knee pain comes and it doesn't go away. And he bike fits and I go out. It's gone. Yeah. It's like amazing. <laughs> I, w- I wish all injuries were subject to a bike fit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so so bike fitting is one of the great last magic silver bullets in an athlete's life. <laughs> you know? I know. Um, so what's up next for you? Do you have any races coming up? You know, I think uh, I think after I processed Milwaukee and I was I spent a lot of time in the pool. This is the other thing you have to do as an aging athlete or as any athlete. You got to deal with frustration. You know, I invested a load of time in the pool in preparation for this race for like six months. And I was getting faster and stronger. And I was. Mm-hmm. I was really confident. And uh, I, I, I was disappointed. Okay. But, but you know, when I, when I finally uh, put it all together and processed it all, what does it all mean? I said, Jack, you know, you got to be pretty happy with your performance. You know, you didn't come in. I wouldn't beat the guy that was in first place 
when I raced in the same age group with him, he was always, what mm -hmm. you know, really better. Uh, but second or third, maybe had I been 80, was, you know, so it's, you know, I, I put it all in perspective, you know, and uh, I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, so what's next? I may, coming out of that race and coming out of that analysis, I just may do another local race, maybe at the end, of, well, the end of this month is coming up soon. I may do another local race. I feel it. I feel like I want to do, I want to get another local race in, maybe in uh, late August, early September. Yeah, yeah that's good. I, I know, like you said, I, I came out of Boulder not happy with my swim, but I wasn't prepared for the swim. I didn't, because of COVID, I didn't swim a whole lot. Um, I went back and looked. I swam once in March, once in April, once in May, oh my like God. three in June, and I did about I don't know fourteen in July, leading up to it. So, and only three open water swims. So, I I was not prepared to go in there. Um, so when I came back, it was it's I've been in the pool three times last week, three times this week. That's my focus, and I actually signed up for uh, seventy point three uh, North Carolina here in, in October, just because I, I waited my five days. I did good. I didn't come back and immediately sign up, but it was, again, say I'm not satisfied. And again, I'm not comparing myself to anybody else other than to what I know I can do. And so I'm, I'm going to go out there and, and I'm going to make sure that this time I'm more prepared for that swim. Yeah. And um, I, I think, you know, like you said, you go in, you compare to where you were before, but I think you're realistic too of knowing that we all are going to decline a little bit, but again, we all know what we can do. And I think we all think we can do better. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and it, 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 it's really uh, one, one of the things that uh, uh, I was told, uh, actually uh, Simon told me this, uh, he raced at about 40. He said, I've raced at about 40 world championships and I won a bunch of them, but I can only count maybe two or three that I really, really put it all together and did well. It's tough mm -hmm. to put it all together in a triathlon, yeah. which, which is another thing that makes the sport so interesting. Mm -hmm. It's you've got to pull all of that together to really, really be competitive, get on the podium and even win. Yeah. It's just, You've got to, and, and how the hell do you do that? You know, it's, it's not easy. You know, sometimes you show up and you don't think you're going to show up. Sometimes you don't think you're going to show up and you have an amazing run. Yeah. You know, it's really uh, quite uh, inexplicable. Yeah, that's why I said that's what I love about having the three sports. You know, you can tank one, but then you can really make up for it somewhere else. So that's a, and then you have a great day. And I said, there's nothing better than crossing the finish line. I don't care what that time is. It's just, it's a feeling no matter what age. It's just fantastic. Right. <laughs> um, so I usually um, kind of finish my interviews with using the hashtag my miles or four as a way to kind of reinforce. For me, it's about the journey. I enjoy every day. Um, I've had, I had a best friend die of cancer about five years ago. And so every day that I'm out there is I just, I'm, I feel blessed to be able to do what I'm doing. And again, uh, to be able to exercise, how about for you? What, what help, what gets you out of bed in the morning? What, what motivates you? Well, um, uh, it's a good question. It's a good question. I just, uh, I feel 
I feel completed and fulfilled uh, when I'm engaged in training and uh, it, the, the, my sense of self uh, really uh, improves when I don't train. I sort of, I don't feel down, but I feel like I'm missing something. You know, I'm losing something. You know, life, life is really uh, about a loss. You know, you're losing athletic performance. You're losing your keys. You're losing people you love. You know, you, you, you could look at life as loss. And if I don't train, I feel I'm losing. I'm losing something that's right there that I could have and I could benefit from. And it's powerful. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's really powerful. But you can't, you can't make it cerebral. You've got to experience it. There's a difference between thinking about it saying, yeah, that would be pretty good, and actually experiencing it as a real human being and getting out there and sweating and doing all this stuff. You know, it's it's all good stuff. <clears throat> and I, boy, talking about feeling uh, really uh, fortunate, uh, you know, as a guy 83, I, I can't imagine not being who I am. But I, at the same time, I realize how freaking lucky I am. And, 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 and this is something we, this is something that we actually nail many times in the book. Mm-hmm. A lot of the stuff that happens to all of us, all 18 of us, and all the other athletes who are, it's all dumb luck. A lot of it's dumb luck. It's, it's, it's random, you know, it's the gene pool. It's all that stuff. But then there's the other component, which is the discipline, but that all gets back to the gene pool as well. But so, uh, but you got to take advantage of what you have, you know. Yeah, so. yeah, that's that's great, you know. And the thing is, uh, that discipline, I think, you know, it's putting the work forward. You know, it's easy to say, no, I don't want to do it, and we've all had those days where you don't want to do anything. Um, but I think it's a consistency. I think that's what um, for everybody. Now you're moving to North Carolina here soon. You're coming out to the heat. Uh, well, yeah. Well, we're, it, 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 it's not as if we're not familiar with that. We lived in the west coast of Florida, so which oh, is yeah, right. more humid and hot. And we lived there for a long time, over 20 years. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, but yeah, we're moving to Charlotte. Uh, we've got uh, a couple of grandkids there. And I've got a son who I'm very close to, and a, a daughter-in-law, and and I've got another daughter who uh, lives in uh, near Princeton, New Jersey, so right up the coast, yeah. so we can hear. You know, it's a drive or a short airplane flight. So I mean, it's really a, a good location. And we have a couple of grandkids out here. They've now grown up. They're in college or they get married. So it's now time to sort of re. Yeah. Regenerate our uh, our uh, grandparent uh, mojo. <laughs> yeah, with with a bunch of young ones. So, what are the young ones? What do they think of, of Grandpa and all the stuff that he's doing? Well, I'll tell you, I have developed a very interesting relationship with both my grandson in New Jersey, who's seven, 
and my grandson in Charlotte, who's three. Mm-hmm. Like, we run. I, you know, we, we actually, when, with, with a three-year-old, we walk and we run. Yeah. And, and he's a good little runner. <laughs> and, and so we walk a little bit, and then we run and walk, we run. And we, it's, it's like, when we take a walk, that's what we do. And the grandson in, uh, in New Jersey, he, uh, <laughs> for some reason, he like views me as like the pinnacle of athletic greatness. I mean, it's, <laughs> I don't know where he comes up with it, but you know, he, that's what he thinks. So, well, he's it's right. <laughs> it's great. They're really great little kids. Do any of your uh, kids do this? Does anybody announce in the family? Uh. My son, my son has got a Peloton. He bikes. Okay. Uh, he does some running. <clears throat> he was training for the Charlotte Marathon, but he he got injured, uh, so he, he didn't do that. Former football player, you know, he's he's an athlete. Okay. You know. So, last question, actually. So, what would you say, other than uh, I would say to read the book, but for people that are kind of sitting on the fence, they're getting to that same getting ready to retire, they're in their 60s, and they're not sure what that next step, what should they do? Again, other than reading the book, I definitely think they need to read the book, but any advice you can give to somebody just starting off? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Let's say you want to start a walking program or you want to start walking and running or you ran as a kid and now you want to go out and start running again. Here's my advice. Before you go to bed, lay out your sneakers, lay out your shorts, lay out your shirt, set your alarm clock, and then go to bed. Chances are just that act of laying that stuff out is going to get you out there. Sometimes it's that simple. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it's that small first step, you know, that leads to a journey, as an old Chinese proverb says, of a thousand miles. Yeah. When you started, did you get involved in any groups initially too? Did you have other people you trained with in the very beginning or did you do it on your own? I'm a loner. Okay. <laughs> I, I train alone. A lot of people have, you know, for my birthday, uh, one of my friends came over. <clears throat> I was born on December 31st. <clears throat> came over that afternoon. She's uh, 46 or 47. <clears throat> she came over and she, we, we ran like 30 minutes as a birthday present. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I said, oh, is this good for my image? You know, <laughs> I love it. So where can people get your book? Amazon. Go to Amazon and uh, just put in uh, World Triathlon Champions <coughs> or Jack Wilbur or Don Ardell uh, and uh, pick one of the three offerings we have. I'm with you. 
on uh, consuming uh, consuming audio. Mm-hmm. I, I find it just to be uh, terrific. I listen to podcasts, uh, audio podcasts. Uh, I read articles through audio. It's a great way. It's a great way. Even even if you're not in the car and trying to, you know, uh, you know, do two things at once. Um, it's it's a great way to consume information. So. Yeah, uh, Jack, thank you so much. I, I'm so glad that I decided to talk to you. Um, after yeah, Pete, man. Well, you're an interesting, uh, pretty uh, pretty good interviewer and uh, a very good interviewer. And uh, and I really uh, I'm glad we met. I'm glad you reached out. It's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and were able to get some insight into how one weathering athlete approaches each day of training and racing to stay as injury-free as possible. When I do these interviews, I always come away with a few phrases or quotes that leave a lasting impression. For Jack, there are many, but the one that stands out to me that I believe is the secret to his success, and to be honest, is relevant to anyone over the age of 50. I'll let Jack tell you in his own words. It's interesting, as you get older, uh, and, uh, you know, as you climb into your 80s, you have to make adjustments. Not only do you have to make adjustments equipment-wise, training-wise, but probably most important of all, mentally. Yeah. You've got to be able to, you can't get discouraged, you've got to be realistic, you've got to, at the same time, you have to be positive, you've got to be analytical, objective, Now, for those that may think that means PRs are not possible as we age, I bet Jack and most other weathered athletes will disagree. I am sure Jack still feels he has a possibility to make improvements. That is what keeps us coming back for more. I will promise that PRs will not continue without taking the necessary steps. So let's take time to break this one statement down of Jack's and how it can be a guidepost for us all. He starts by talking about adjustments. Adjustments to equipment. For Jack, going out and getting a bike fitting, which included eliminating aero position and having his handlebars raised helped decrease his neck pain, which improved his positioning and now allows him to ride more comfortably. Adjustments with training. Jack entered into triathlon in his 60s. He realized early on that if he wanted to continue with the sport, he had to surround himself with coaches and trainers, both in sport to improve technique and improve conditioning as well as strength, balance, and flexibility. He has made an effort to prevent the significant decline we see as people age by not allowing his body and mind to decline. For those that listened to my episode with physical therapist Mike Studer, we talked about the normal decline as roughly 10% per decade if we take out all the other factors. The problem is people tend to decline at a much greater rate due to lifestyle choices, including lack of exercise and poor diet. We're also seeing a huge increase in dementia, which for the scope of this episode, I won't get into all the causes. But if we were to explore the generalized decline in cognition, most will cite a lack of physical or mental exercise as the main cause. If we look at Jack and his experiences, I want you to consider the last trip you went on and how much effort it was to remember all the things you needed for that journey. Now let's consider Jack. When he's traveling for a sprint triathlon, which includes all his swim, bike, run gear, along with his nutrition, hydration, and other miscellaneous items needed to complete the event. 
There are schedules to follow. Let's not forget all the mental gymnastics needed reviewing lists, pre-race activities and prep, race strategy, including transitions and post-race planning. Jack's mind is required to exercise just as much as his body, which allows him to remain as sharp as ever. That increased cognitive work has such a positive benefit. Now saying all that, his greatest attribute from the short time I have known him is his attitude and ability to be analytical, objective, and look at the positive in everything. We can have arguments, I am sure for days, on how much of the accomplishments of Jack or those listed in his book should be credited to genetics. I won't say that may have a small component, but from my 28 years as a PT, my six years involved in triathlon, and one year doing this podcast with other weathered athletes, I will argue the number one reason is the same listed in their book, discipline. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. If you find today's or any other episode inspiring, I ask you to consider joining our patron program. Details can be found at www.weatheredathlete.com. Also, please don't forget to hit subscribe to this podcast, share with your friends, give me a rating on iTunes, leave me a comment or drop me a line if you feel you have what it takes to enter the Weathered Athlete Podcast. Lastly, no matter how you complete your miles, I encourage you to use the following hashtag, my miles are four, as a way to reinforce the purpose of those miles. As always, my miles are for the journey. Pete Barusik.